0: You're listening to The Branches HB Podcast. All right. Good morning, everyone. Welcome. My name is Andrew Shea. One of the pastors on staff here at Branches, very glad to be with you, whether you're out on the patio, you're on the live stream, you're here in this space this morning. You know, I want to start off on kind of a serious note, just acknowledging the crisis that's still happening on the other side of the world in Afghanistan and now spreading uh, through the region. I want us to continue praying, and I gave you guys an update last week as far as the partnership that we have with Voice of Refugees, the work that we've already been committed to. Over this last year to help those refugees that are here locally if we get any updates through voice of refugees about how their work is related to what's happening in afghanistan we'll be sure to let you guys know i also want us to be praying for our veterans because there are so many of them are struggling with their mental health as a result of what's happening i mean we already know that that's an issue in this country people coming back from combat but it's all the more those wounds are opened up when there's the loss of life when we see what we're seeing on the news so again there's so much negative press i mean there's so much criticism so much anger which you know some of it much of it is valid but at the same time you know where are we bringing restoration and redemption and care and compassion and i think one way we can do that is to our vets so if you have anybody that you're related to in your family if there's friends if you yourself are a vet and you want to speak with a pastor i want to open myself to be available to you pastor brock of course will do the same thing all the pastors on staff uh, we want to. We want to serve. So let someone know if you're talking with them. You know, you hear how things are going, and you see an open window to actually share that. Hey, would you like to speak with a pastor? We are more than happy uh, to serve in those situations. But let's continue to pray. Now, on a more lighthearted note, I want to say, you know, I just experienced this last week. There's so much life in this church community. On Tuesday night, I was able to have the common ground leaders who had actually hosted the surf camp for I believe the ninth year in the Oakview community. They were over at my house celebrating the end of surf camp. They sent dozens of kids away to camp. They were all celebrating saying, man, this was like the best year of surf camp ever in our history. So I was so excited to have them over. Wednesday night, I was down at the beach with a lot of you. We had a great showing. It was cool to hear stories from folks in our church family that said, Man, you know, I landed in branches, and then, like, I heard the announcement about a bonfire, and that was the first thing I went to three years ago or four years ago. We've already decided next summer, it's going to be a summer filled with those opportunities for us to gather. As locals in Huntington Beach, it's like one of those iconic things, a bonfire on the beach, but we don't do it, right? (laughs) But but now we can scratch that itch uh, through the church community. And then yesterday, we were having a family's beach day that I didn't RSVP for so I didn't get the right address. Uh, So by the way, that's a plug for please register everyone because I didn't and I got the wrong address and I showed up at the wrong space and didn't hang with you. But we were under the same sun at the same time so I was very comforted just knowing we were having beach days; those separate, together. But I just say that to say, wow, you know, there is so much going on. Uh, last week, I got twenty-four hours away to pray and dream into the future of this church. I know it's coming in September. I know it's coming in October. You're not going to want to miss a single week as we see God doing things uh, in the weeks to come. And even this next week, Serve City is having its soft launch, its first official event. I think I updated you guys on the backpack numbers but we had stepped up to give 100 backpacks to the total goal of 500, and you guys gave 124 backpacks. So just praise God on that. It is 100% absolutely not a competition, but I want you to know That your commitment and the amount that you gave is equal to that of churches two three times even eight nine times the size of this congregation and to me that is simply an affirmation of the sort of disciples that are here if we're going to give away 100 backpacks and they're going to cost 30 to 35 bucks a piece That's not something that you say, oh, someone else is going to handle that. That's a lot of you guys stepping up and saying, I'm going to be a part of answering that call. And now I think the total is going to be somewhere upwards of $25,000 worth of backpacks that are going to be sent back into that community. What that means is before Serve City's even really even begun, we've killed it together on this first project as churches and I'm already getting emails constantly through the week of potential opportunities, ways we can serve together, that means, please, step up, step in. There is a place for you here. There is openings in God's work going on in this city. We need those who are going to do the will of our Father in heaven. And that's where we left off last week in Matthew chapter 12. Jesus said, you want to know who my family is? It's those who do the will of my Father in heaven. And this was in contrast to, right, his critics Those who are sitting there on the sidelines going, hey, Jesus, you know what? Just do one more miracle. Just give us one more sign, and we'll do some work for you. Maybe we'll give our lives to you. He goes, "Mm, my preaching, my wisdom, my message of repentance and life change is enough. That's how confident he was in his words. He goes, that's the sign. And, And those who respond to it, right? Those who do the will of my Father in heaven, they are filling themselves with my will and my way that concluded sort of a mini subplot in this gospel of Matthew the focus is going to change as we turn the page into Matthew chapter 13 by the way you can open there right now if you'd like of course the verses are always on the screen but if you want a bible in your hands you can go ahead and raise your hand one of our ushers will pass you a bible right now But as we turn the page, you know, we're going from a lot of the perceptions of Jesus and his ministry, you know, some of his followers, they're increasing their understanding of who he is, the critics of Jesus are getting more critical, now they're plotting to kill him. Now in chapter 13, we move into a series of parables, these cryptic teachings about the kingdom of God. And we got a classic one this morning, the parable of the sower, it likely should be called the parable of the soils. Uh, it's a familiar one, but let me tell you, when I sat down to study on Tuesday, I go, man, this is like the first time I've heard this all over again. It is so, so rich. And that's not all you're getting. You're getting more than you bargained for. We're going to hear the parable of the sower. We're also going to hear Jesus' explanation of why he teaches in parables in the first place, as well as an explanation of the parable of the sower, and all for the low price of 3 99 and all that deal. Wow. Here we go. Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 1. It says, that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. So he's still very popular with the crowds. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables, though seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, you will be ever hearing but never understanding, you will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused, But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. So we have some layers here today, right? We have the parable that Jesus teaches. Above that, we have the reason why Jesus teaches in parables in the first place and an explanation therein. And beneath that, we have the focus on interpreting the parable which Jesus gives to us. So a lot of different layers here. And I want us to start with that top layer, the most broad way of looking at this passage. Why does Jesus even speak in parables in the first place? And that's found in the middle of the passage. We're going to turn this passage inside out because I think... That's one of the things we can get caught up in in this section. Jesus is saying, oh, there's going to be people who see, but they'll never see, hear, but they'll never hear. And we go, man, this is kind of confusing, this whole thing about parables. Well, maybe my layers thing was confusing. Turning things inside out was confusing. Let me encourage you. The disciples themselves were confused. They were confused by Jesus some of the time. That's why they say in verse 10, they say, why do you teach the people in parables? Well, the word parables in the original Greek, it doesn't mean what we would conceive of it to mean. I think for most of us, when we think about the stories and parables of Jesus, we think about these illustrative stories that enliven us and awaken us to the truth of God and his kingdom. That's what they become for us, yes, who understand the parables, but in the original language, a parable had sort of this tone to it of a cryptic saying or a proverb, or a riddle. It was something that you had to chew on, you had to consider, you had to think about to really understand its meaning. Let's do some riddles this morning. Who wants to do some riddles? Are you awake enough? Did you get coffee? Uh, You know, I want you to say three consecutive days in a row without saying the words Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. How do you say three consecutive days in a row without saying Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday? Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That's the answer. Some of you are like, I'm not awake yet. No, I can't do this. How about this? Okay, you live in a one-story house made entirely of redwood. What color are the stairs? There's no stairs. That's right. You're genius. You get an extra donut. Wow. The rest of you are like, I still I can't hang. I can't hang. I can't do riddles. That's not me. That's essentially what. The disciples are asking Jesus that they're going in verse 10. Why do you teach this way? Why do you teach this way? Why do you teach cryptically? Why do you teach in ways where the meaning is veiled for the listeners? Why, Jesus says, because the secrets of the kingdom have been given to you, my disciples. You are those who are hearing and listening, leaning in and doing the will of my father in heaven. You're uncovering the mysteries. And to you, I'm going to add to your knowledge. Right, And that's even this explanation of why he teaches in parables. He's answering their questions. He's interpreting the parable. They're going to have an abundance of wisdom. But he says to everyone else, to the strangers, to those on the sidelines, they're going to hear, but they're not going to understand. In fact, the parables ensure that they'll be absolutely permanently befuddled by everything that God is saying, in line with the judgment of Isaiah, I think you read that right there and you go, wait a minute. Does that mean God wants people to not understand? Does God want people to be confused? Is that why he's teaching this way? You might conclude that on the surface. Isaiah declares in judgment that these people will be ever seeing but never perceiving. They'll be ever hearing but they won't be understanding. Now, this is exactly what happens to me when my four oldest kids are asking for me to look at something at the same time, which is happening all the time. I can see them, but I can't see anything, right? I can hear a lot of voices, but I can't hear anything. I don't understand anything that's being said. Jesus says, that's going to be a whole group of people, right? They're looking at me. They're seeing what I do. They're not perceiving. They're hearing me right with their ears, but they are not going to grasp it. They are not going to understand it. Now, the parables bring out this contrast, right? That there are those who are going to lean in and grasp, but there are those who are going to kind of go like this. I don't know. It's all because of this judgment in verse 15. It's not something that God did alone. It's something that they already were beginning from. This place of not having their eyes open. This place of having their ears closed. This place of a calloused heart. The parables show that they're not going to put in the work. while well, there is this other group of people that are. And the parables reward those who sit there and want to solve the Rubik's Cube. I've never solved a Rubik's Cube in my life. I don't have the perseverance for it. But those who have the perseverance to say, okay, man, Jesus said this, I've got to unwrap this. I've got to grasp it. I've got to understand it. They are the people who are going to be open to the secrets, the mysteries that prophets and righteous people throughout all time, hundreds of years long to know. But they couldn't know because it hadn't been spoken from the mouth of Jesus just yet. Now, I want us to step back for a moment and appreciate the good fortune that we have to be living at this time in history. Number one, you can understand that you have the good fortune of being alive right now, that you have won the human lottery in that you live in a time where there's indoor plumbing. Right? We should all be able to appreciate that this morning. None of us said, oh, I'm coming into the world. I'm going to be born at just this time where I'm going to have the convenience of indoor plumbing. I've been to countries where there is no indoor plumbing still. The streets, they are very unpleasant. You know, so all of us like, oh, wow, the modern world, civilized society, we have this great fortune of being born in this time. You and I, we have to recognize we have the good fortune of being born in a country that isn't war-torn. None of us said, oh, when I come into the world, I'm gonna, America looks like a really kind of stable place, somewhat stable place. You know, I'm not going to go to one of these other countries. Oh, you have that good fortune. You know, you won the human lottery again. But Jesus says... You haven't won the human lottery like you've won in this case. This is the biggest reason that you have to consider yourself fortunate and blessed as a human being. That you are living in the age where the mysteries of God's kingdom are being revealed to you in plain language from the mouth of Jesus. Now do you understand that worth? you go, wow, that is the most incredible thing about being alive right now, that I have access to the truths of the gospel and what God has done in the world? Well, that was going to be lost on some people. (laughs) For some people, it was going to be in one ear and out the other. So this parable of the sower demonstrates, right? Let's get into it right now. We've got these four different soils, four different types of people, who all hear the message of Jesus. You know, that's something that they have consistently across them they all hear the message of Jesus in the kingdom which is sown as a seed we need not guess what Jesus is saying about each one of these groups of people these different types of soils because he gives us the explanation here so we can unwrap it we can add to our understanding as we're leaning in this morning now he begins with this seed that lands on the path he says these are the folks that hear the message first of all but they don't have an open heart to actually receive the message. So it falls on the path, and Satan goes and snatches it up. It produces nothing. Now, what this reminds us is that unbelief is not just this state of indifference on the part of a hearer. It is something that Satan partners in the work of, right? Satan wants nothing more than to obscure the truth of Jesus, to make sure that the gospel being proclaimed is unproductive. In its end, And there is no better pairing for the work of Satan than a calloused and closed-off heart. Now, I have a calloused heart right now. I'm realizing this last week. It's growing ever-increasingly calloused. It's toward a particular party. It's toward a solar company that is local here. Uh, my house, when I bought the house, the previous owner had signed up for a 20-year lease solar system, a zero-down leased solar system three months before they sold the house, which makes a lot of sense. And when I had to buy, sarcasm. So when I bought the house, I had to assume this 20 year lease, right? This zero down 20 year lease. So what happened was the solar company put solar panels on a roof that's aged. It's aged, it needs replacement of its shingles. So we've got to do that work. Well, guess what? We can do that to the tune of $6,000 just uninstalling and reinstalling the panels. I'm not talking about doing any work on the roof whatsoever. So the solar company in their good graces, they'll do that for me for $6,000. So here's what's great about the zero down deal. You save like 10 bucks a month on your bill, your energy bill. That's $120 a year. So I figured I'll break even in about 50 years on this whole uninstall reinstall thing. Which is great because at that point, I'll need a new roof plus the solar panels won't work anymore. So I left a a review that includes some of these thoughts, you know, in a very nice way. And uh, yesterday, their digital engagement specialist reached out to me and asked if we could get some time to talk about my review. And I looked him up on LinkedIn, he's like this 21-year-old, he has no idea what he's in for. It's like his first job. Yeah, I'm like, what is this kid going to say to me, right? My heart is as calloused as granite rock against this solar company, and this kid is going to say something that's going to get through to me at my state. I'm not going to hear a single thing he has to say. And Jesus goes, there's people like that when it comes to my spiritual truth. They are that closed off. They are that callous. They won't hear a bit of it, right? They reject everything, and it's amazing to me that there are so many people in this life that don't even have the wisdom that's contained in Jesus' fingertip in their whole self. And yet they won't even give him, average people, they won't even give him the time of day to listen to what he has to say. They reject him outright. Can you imagine how many people there are? They don't have a lick of wisdom to them. They haven't written anything, they haven't said anything that anyone wants to repeat to anyone else. And they go, oh no, there can't be any truth in what Jesus has said. They write him off from the beginning. And God says to those, even what they have, the preaching of the gospel to them, oh, it's going to be taken away. Satan's going to snatch it. That's the seed that lands on the path. Now there's the seed that also lands on the rocky soil. This seed grows up fast, but there is no root. Jesus is describing people again. It's consistent, who hear the word, they hear his truth, and they receive it at first with enthusiasm, but that says nothing, that first enthusiasm, about the longevity that they will have in the faith. And my wife, she's on Instagram, she sees the different diets that are passed around, I've talked about this before, and she made that commitment the first time, she's done it a couple times now, to do Whole30. And uh, the first time, you know, it's going to change all the meals in the house, what she's going to cook. So I got to be on board. So I say, you know what? Absolutely. I could, I could use a little bit more health in my life. I am committed to that 30-day journey with you for one day. I was committed for one day. I was fully in for that day. Let me tell you something. There was not a bigger cheerleader in the household than me about the difference that it was going to make. But that 30-day commitment was one day. Because I realized on day two, you can eat a whole lot of nothing on a whole 30. You know, I wasn't having it. I wasn't going to be a part of it. It did not matter, though, if you look back. My level of enthusiasm, my zeal, my excitement, all the visions of grandeur I had on day one because day two, I was nowhere to be found. Jesus says there's a lot of people just like that responding to the gospel message. They have it with enthusiasm, right? But there's no root system. He says, just give it time. The sun comes up the next day, and that little sucker is scorched, right? And Jesus explains what that means at the end of this passage. He goes, look, the sun and that scorching heat, it's the troubles of life. It's the persecutions that will follow the word. It is headwinds, you know? Everything was great until everything wasn't great. And the second everything wasn't great for these individuals, the love affair is over. Someone so much as sneeze in that direction, it just blows the little guy away, right? Because they don't have a root system. So I've learned that enthusiasm is cheap. Enthusiasm is cheap. We human beings, we love new and novel things. And anyone can feed off public hype, but who's doing the root work? Who's doing and putting in the time to do the work that happens when no one is looking? When no one's around, the work that constitutes character. Jesus was up front with us. I mean, he said, in this world, you will have trouble. It's not like this is a secret that he's keeping from us. And then when we get there, we're like, oh, but Jesus lied to us. You know, I can't believe anything he says. That's about as good of a guarantee as I've ever heard from anyone. In this world, you will have trouble. You will hit headwinds. You will have resistance against you. Jesus The Savior, the Son of God, he had a lot of trouble in this life. But those who are able to persevere through those troubles and headwinds are those who have a deep root system of character, of prayer, rooted in Jesus himself. In the third example... We've got the seed that grows in crowded soil. The seed lands in the soil, but the the thorns grow alongside it and choke out its productivity. Again, this is another person who hears, okay? And they seemingly are growing up, but they're growing up amongst weeds against these other influence. They hear the word, right? But their productivity is challenged because they're in crowded space. Jesus describes that as two things. First of all, it's the worries of this life that can crowd out that productivity, or it's the deceitfulness of wealth. Now, to me, these are two opposite realities that produce the same effect on a kingdom life. You know, you got on the one hand, this fear of failure, this anxiety and worry that can choke productivity, and on the other hand, you have success. You have somebody who does really, really well for themselves and is buying into the deceitfulness and the lies of wealth. Now, if we deal with anxiety and worry first, it's no surprise that anxiety hampers a return because anxiety itself is a manifestation, a product of a preoccupation with self. It it has to do with us being self-obsessed about what could potentially go wrong, either in terms of our well-being or our security. I think about it in this kind of like illustration. You know, let's say life's oxygen masks drop in front of us, right? We're going through something difficult or it's a scary time. Okay, the oxygen mask drop, You know, it's fine. Go ahead. Put that mask on for yourself before you attend to somebody else. But there's a lot of people in this life because of their preoccupation with their self. They got their mask on. It's fully secured. Everything's fine. And then they're going to grab this mask over here and add it to it. And this mask over here and add it to it again. There are people, man, they are set they have every contingency plan, like, in place. Nothing is going wrong, okay? Their, their kids' lives, nothing is going wrong. They have, they have sealed up their kids' time and their decision-making so they're perfectly secure for the rest of their lives, right? And yet they are still there with the mask on. It's working, incessantly playing with it over and over again while someone else next to them passes out. You know, left and right, people are passing out. That is that anxious obsessive preoccupation with the self it doesn't matter how much we have how safe we are in this country the anxiety just seems to keep rising and it keeps us from productivity in God's kingdom there's an additional factor here Jesus says it's the deceitfulness of wealth that can choke out our productivity now you got to ask yourself do, do our possessions and does our money really lie to us does it really lie to us like it's just an inert thing? It's just it's just stuff, you know, it's just my bank account balance. Is it telling me lies? Now look at what it says in Proverbs chapter 23, verses four to five. Do not wear yourself out to get rich. That's, that's a sermon in itself for Orange County, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, that's just it. We can just sit here for another 35 minutes and meditate on that. Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust your own cleverness. Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone. For they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. And we're all like, man, I'm going to clip the eagle's wings. I'm going to keep that right where it needs to be. That's not leaving me. And that's what we wish. That's what we work for. Well, many of us in Orange County here, he says, riches are fleeting. They're here today. They are gone tomorrow. Those things are going to be worth zero to you at the end of your life. Proverbs 11, verse 28. Those who trust, okay, our wealth, our possessions, they speak deceit. So here are those who trust. Those who trust in their riches will fall. But the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. This is a great pairing for the parable of the sower because we want to be that plant that grows up. Gives, you know, that green in season and out of season. And he's right here, look, you you buy into those lies and that deceit about possessions, about riches, and you place yourself in that, you're gonna fall. You're not gonna have anything to stand on. But if you're in right standing with God, if you're leaning into the things of the kingdom and appreciating it for what it is, Jesus is gonna add to your abundance. You are going to be filled up to the full measure of the wisdom of God, and that is going to cause you to have green leaves no matter what you encounter. And in our culture, if you really think about it, we can be no better than dogs. You know, we have a lot in common with them. with With my dog, you know, I can take the rope toy or the squeaky ball, and I can wave that thing around, and everywhere I wave it, my dog's, Vision, (laughs) right? You know, like the anticipation, like, when am I going to get the rope? When am I going to get the ball? It's the same thing that happens to human beings when a luxury car drives by. (laughs) You know, like everybody just gets that vision. They get enraptured in it, right? You're like, are you serious? Something shiny, something expensive can attract our attention that much. It's the same capacity that these animals have. We get caught up in it ourselves, and then that becomes the pursuit of someone's life all their time, and energy gets poured into acquiring that thing. You know, that's the deceitfulness of wealth. For some of us, you're doing so well, you know, you're serenading yourself to spiritual slumber every night, pouring over your bank balance. Let's check it again. Let's check it again. Still all there, still all there. But you're voiding out any riches you might have in the kingdom of God. That's the crowded heart surrounded by thorns. Up to this point, there's a variety of soils, but it's the same result. That's one of the most magnificent things I think about this passage. There's all these different soils, there's all these different heart conditions, but they all result in the same end. So it doesn't matter if you're somebody who's absolutely caught up in this preoccupation with yourself and all the things that might and could go wrong. You don't produce anything. That's the same as someone who says, I don't want to hear anything that Jesus has to say. And the seed lands on the path and Satan snatches it up. Guess what? They both don't produce anything. It's the same for the person who buys into the lies of possessions and wealth. Same outcome as the person who's got all that enthusiasm day one, maybe day two, and is gone Later in their life, there's still nothing that's produced. There's only one soil that produces a return. It's those who hear Jesus says and they understand. Because if you really understood what Jesus was saying, you wouldn't be in these other categories. Those who hear and understand, they're not noted for their joy or their zeal, but they produce a return. Could be 100, could be 60, could be 30 fold. Now, these are common returns that they would see from their crops in the ancient world and I think Jesus is trying to mention like hey guys you're not all going to produce the same return you know it's not going to look the same in everybody's life some people it's going to be 100 some people it's going to be 60 some people it's going to be 30 but good soil that understands the words of Jesus is always going to produce a return that's the point if we want to become this good soil I think Jesus has done us a service of describing what this good soil is all about through what He says the other soils lack. So who is it that is the good soil? Who is it that produces a return in God's kingdom? Well, they are the one whose heart is open and seeking understanding. The one whose heart is open and seeking understanding. If we're numbed out, if we're apathetic, if we're calloused, if we're not leaning in to say, Jesus, I see this for the value that it is. I know that I am fortunate and blessed to have access to what you have shared with me, this transformative truth of your kingdom. If we're not in that place, we're not going to produce a return. We've got to be leaning in. We've got to be saying, I see the value of this. We've got to be those who go, man, I'm going to sit with this. I'm going to chew on this. I'm going to consider it until I come to the end. Because Jesus says to those who have, there's more going to be added on up to an abundance. That's the open heart. That's the heart that's constantly seeking understanding in Jesus. That's the one that produces a return. It's the one who develops a deep root system. The one who develops a deep root system. Anyone can come in here and put on a happy face. Anyone can come in here and sing songs very loud. But who are you when no one else is around? You know, when it comes to like giving, you're not posting your financial transactions online. No one knows. No one's checking that, okay? You know, you don't, you don't do your end-of-the-year statement, well, here's what I gave to this organization and the church and this, that, and the other thing. No, that has everything to do with the discipline of your own character and who you are in the Lord, that that would lead you to do things that are unseen by other people but seen by God. You know, what about your prayer life? You know, what about your connectedness with the Lord in terms of You even diving into the mysteries of the kingdom that he's revealed. You know, there's so many people that, yeah, they're baptized one day. They've got these great confessions for Christ. You never see them again. You never see them again. Do they hit the headwinds the next day? They woke up and they were feeling a little bit off. They go, "Ah, I thought I was going to feel better than this in Jesus. I'm out of here. For real? There are other people. They don't reveal that they have no root system for 20, 30 years. They get into their 50s and 60s and they just lived a really comfortable, easy life. So they're here in church and they're participating in all the studies and then they're like way off the map all of a sudden overnight. You go, how did that happen? Well, it's obvious there was nothing going on beneath the surface. There was no root system. It just was a matter of time. The first time something hit, that, that was it. That was the end. But you know the true disciples because they'll get that bad news from the doctor. But they have been preparing for it their whole lives. They receive it and they put on their armor and they're ready for battle and they've got a testimony for the Lord no matter if it goes this way or it goes this way. That's because they have developed a root system that can stand up against those headwinds and that pressure, those trials and challenges. They're gonna be green in season and out of season. It's those who develop a root system that produce a return. It's those who have an uncrowded inner life, free from the weight of worry and the deception of constant money making. You gotta have an uncrowded inner life and talk about a sermon that'll preach in this area because there are so many forces trying to crowd our hearts with anxieties and fears and concerns. We spend so much of our life preparing for things that don't happen. And then we get to the things that do happen and we have no energy to even meet them. Well, the Lord is the one who uncrowds that heart so that we're prepared for what will happen and we'll be productive in the midst of it. Those who produce a return have an uncrowded heart. They're not falling into the lies of money-making. doesn't matter how much money you make in this life, it will be worth nothing to you in the kingdom of God unless it's utilized for a kingdom purpose in this life. Those who are uncrowded in their heart, they're the richest people on earth. When you know the fullness of what Jesus is talking about in his kingdom, when you're embracing the abundance that he wants to pour into you, man, you have no want. You have no need. You're the richest people on earth. That comes from that uncrowded heart that is then free to produce a return What also just makes me marvel as we finish out our time this morning is the fact that this seed of the gospel, these teachings of the kingdom, they produce so many different outcomes, but it's not because the seed changes. The seed is always the same quality. The message of the kingdom is no different between this soil and this soil. It's the state of the soil that determines the outcome, right? The quality of the seed is just as good in the seed that lands along the path and Satan comes and snatches it up as it is in the one who produces a return a hundredfold. I can't tell you how many times I preach the gospel on a holiday because everybody brings in everybody on the holidays and I preach my heart out for what Jesus has done and I know there are plenty of people sitting in the seats unimpressed. They don't have time. They just did this to appease somebody in one ear and out the other if even that much. That's all the gospel produces in them. But at the same time, that same message causes brothers and sisters in this community to sell all their possessions, to sell their home, and move to Africa to serve orphans with the rest of their life. Same message. Different result based on a different heart condition. So what's the condition of our hearts today? Let's pray into that this morning. You know, it's not gonna be that all of us then, oh, we sell everything, we move to Kenya. There's a different return, depending on the different soil that the seed lands in. But the good soil, it always produces a return. We don't have to worry about being productive. Jesus says, anyone who abides in me, who remains in me, connected in me, they will produce fruit. So our effort is to make sure the soil is good. It's tilled up. Let's pray for that end. Thanks so much for listening to the Branches HB podcast. For more information on Branches, you can visit our website at BranchesHB.com. Or stay up to date with us on Instagram at BranchesHB. As always, we'd love to have you at one of our Sunday gatherings. So come visit us at 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m. Locations are available on our website. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.